I mean, how do people claim their sovereignty? What I did, I can only talk for myself. It's going to go back to the fear, which is since I've lived 70 years and I've lived through all kinds of presidents and in many different states and different countries and experienced all the laws that everybody wants to put down, um, the first thing was going to have to be fear of if I want to declare myself sovereign of this body, um, I've got to get rid of the fear, number one, of I can't do it or feel fa the, the fear of failure because this is a declaration. And I do believe that when you really set down a personal declaration, you got to live up to it. You're pretty much declaring to, to God and the masters and the gurus, this is who I am. And, I, and I'm going to walk the path. So I'm, I want to be careful about how am I going to put out this declaration of sovereignty uh, of what I will and I won't do. I will not get a vaccination. So what happens if, um, will I be ready for this? If this thing for some god awful reason goes through and they say, uh, you will not be able to go in and buy anything. You will not be able to drive. Have a driver's license, right. You won't be able to do any of that unless you come get your vaccination. And then we'll give you a card that will allow you to go to the grocery store and buy your groceries. And we've got to do this because you people out there can't think for yourself. Because you're stupid, you're sheeples, and we, WHO and everybody else that's with them, we are the only people that know how to take care of you. You do not know how to take care of yourself. Well, I already know that's bullshit because I've been here taking care of myself for 70 years and I'm pretty good. I'm doing all right. I don't need anybody out there to tell me that. So I'm not going to be fearful, number one, of being able to be independent, smart, trust my intuition, be discerning, and know that I can do this. So that's going to be my first thing with my declaration is I'm getting rid of this fear that I can't do it. I know I can do it. The second part to me is do I feel like I'm developed enough now to say yes, to say no, to make discerning decisions going forward? Yes. I know myself. Well, I'm old enough now. I know myself. I've worked on myself for 40 years of personal growth. That's when, that's when it first came to me at the age, pretty much the age around 30, between 30 and 33, I knew there was a lot more to me than just this, the 3D body and the 3D activities. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so I know this, so how do I get to it? So that's been my main function. That's been my main occupation has been getting to know who I truly am. So which do is you- spirit or soul living in a 3D physical body to experience what's going on. It's, this is just my expression. I truly understand what that means. So Do you think that was catapulted for you because of your CIA experiences and like, yeah. Yeah. Through those experiences, through uh, abduction scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then in my 50s, I tried ayahuasca, peyote, mushrooms, um, all done in indigenous 
ceremonies. Mm -hmm. I have never done any hardcore drugs ever. I've only used the, the natural medicines of indigenous people in order to try to mm -hmm. alter my mind. So that was another really good positive route for me. And it was positive because I did it in ceremonial uh, guidelines. It wasn't something I did in somebody's backyard with a bunch of white people. I did it uh, with respect to a, a sacred medicine that opens up my third eye, that opens up that arena. So uh, now I got off track. Oh, so you're talking about sovereignty. how you came to sovereignty, yeah. Sovereignty. Uh, what really pushed me over was this vaccine. This vaccine, I'm not going to fear, but I am going to fight it because I don't see that this is a, a vaccine that is here to help us. This is a vaccine that is here to destroy humankind. So while I take up Archangel Michael's sword and go forward, I will. And it's not for myself, it's for humanity. It is for every soul living on this planet that perhaps has not figured out what's going on. So another piece of my sovereignty is um, I will pick up the sword of truth and I, and I will go forward and I do want to slash all the untruths, all crimes to humanity. And part of picking up that sword is opening the throat chakra and speaking what I feel I can speak. And I will try to be very careful and be able to back up what I'm saying with facts of what, what's happened. And it's like, okay, great. You don't think that's a fact, then come to me with your facts and prove to me that I'm wrong with what, I, with what I'm saying. So to clarify, you, you do feel like the vaccine will be um, the depopulation agenda? I do. Yeah. I absolutely do. And how that's going to work, uh, I'm not quite sure because every individual is individual and everybody's body and their state of health is individual. And everybody's emotional and mental and spiritual body is individual. So how that vaccine is going to work on everybody is in a lot of different ways. So we could have a lot of people that die immediately. We could have a lot of people that are so sick that they can't do anything. They're wiped out for months. We have some that maybe will lose a part of their body or a part of their mind and they continue to live, but they're helpless. We may have some that go right through it. Could be the hybrids. It's not going to bother them. But it's not here for the good because Corona-19 does not exist in the way that we're telling, the way they're telling us it exists. So how can they create a vaccine for something that a lot of us know does not exist in the way that they're telling us? So where, where is the truth? So, I mean, that's well, the big thing for me. To I mean, the other thing is like sovereignty. I'm not taking, I am not taking the virus. This is my body. I will not take that vaccine into my body. Look how well, look how well, or rather how well <laughs> flu vaccines don't work. Right. So I, I mean, uh, like every time I've had a flu vaccine, I've gotten the flu. Um, You're not the only one. It's happened to my sister. She's 83 years old. She's not in good health. Friends and family were saying, it's flu season. You got to get your flu shot. You're too old. You're in terrible condition. You need to get the mm -hmm. flu shot. She kept saying, no, no, no. Every time I get one, I get sick. Well, gosh darn it. There it is again. All this outside influence coming in 
going against her own intuition, goes in, gets the shot. She was so sick, she almost died. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'm, I'm, you I, know? That's, that's, that's my experience with the flu vaccine. So uh, I will never right. take it again. So, like, why would I yet again take a vaccine for something which I never caught in the first place? And uh, caught anyway. I'm healthy. I don't have it. I know I don't have it. And then it. they'll say, well, but it, you know, to it lessens it. the effects. It le if you didn't have the flu, should I, it would have right. been worse for you. I'm like, really? Really? Okay, thanks. Yeah. So uh, you know, declaring your sovereignty is, is definitely about my sovereign physical body is mine. I get to choose what I'm going to be putting into it. Now, I can't do much about the chemtrails and, and everything that's being dropped on us. But I do, I can do something about going and standing in line to get a flu shot. I won't do it. They, they're going to have to come find me. That's all I can say. So like the microchipping stuff. Um, uh, have, I mean, like, have you, have you heard about that? Like, yeah. The, yeah. Um, part of me wonders, like, how much of that is almost... Uh, influenced by kind of because you know they've been doing that to abductees forever yeah so i wonder how much of the interlaying um technologies are the same with yeah yeah the chipping again is is control it's another form of control the vaccine will be a form of control the chipping uh well people chip their animals why do they chip their animals so that they can be found anytime yeah if, if they, they run away why are they chipping us? So they know where we are. So there's no place we can go and hide. Yeah. Right, Every right now, this, this is a voluntary chip. Yes, it is. <laughs> that we they voluntarily carry around all the time. Yes. Although you can leave it at home when you want to run to Santa Fe for something to do so that they can't follow me. <laughs> so I love that. You're <laughs> and I leave it at home and I jump in my car and I go. Okay, guys in Santa Fe, now you know. <laughs> so I leave it at home. I yeah, I have I have a friend who's uh, phone broke recently, and uh, they they just um, have been using their computer uh, for you know a couple of weeks. At, and he's like, yeah, you know, I think I'm gonna think I might. He's like, it's so weird how I didn't realize how addicted I was. He's like, but it's very yes. liberating. He's like, it's yes. nice not having it. He's like, I I mean, and I can just do a video call if I need to. And, yeah. you know, but he's like, other than that, like, I, it's just a little da -da 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 addiction right? thing. I know. You know, and for me, I mean, I, half my life was without technology. Nobody ever thought about it. You know, you went, you went out, you did your day, you came home and everybody knew if they wanted to get in touch with, they called, they had to call you at night, you know, cause right, you right. School or you were at work and, and we got along fine. <laughs> it's, it's all okay if we have to do that again. Yeah, I'm, I mean, cell phones weren't really a thing until late in high school for me. Like, I, like in, in high school, kids didn't have, my friends didn't have cell phones. Like, we had, you still had to call their house if you wanted to get a hold of them or whatever. We didn't, college for me is when cell phones became like a reality. And uh, it was so expensive to talk that you had to, like, texting was cheaper. So that's why, that's how texting got good. Because, yeah. Um, they made it such a big deal to actually talk on the phone. And then now it's like, I sometimes, I don't even remember life without this stuff. And I don't yeah. know how the younger generations are going to think about. Yeah. The other thing about going back to um, 
this declaration of sovereignty is, I really believe that uh, I have to also do it spiritually. So physically, I know what I want to do, you know, to protect my body and know that this is a sacred gift. I couldn't be planet Earth 3D if I didn't agree to this physical body. And I got to take care of it, you know, or else I'll be leaving sooner than I want to be leaving. But also there's a spiritual aspect to all of this that is going on. And that's really, you know, it's the, the dark force, the evil force, the cabal force, the left-hand path, whatever you want to call it, it's here, it exists, this is polarity. And I also want to, you know, declare my sovereignty for my soul and for everybody else's soul. That's the most important part for me is my soul. And I'm not willing to give it over to anybody. I'm pulling back. I'm going through soul retrieval. I am pulling back all the pieces of my soul that I gave away through fear uh, or things that I, that were taken because I was unconscious. Not, I'm not a victim even for my unconsciousness, but obviously things are also taken on an unconscious level when someone tries to trick you. And, well, you, that's... Don't, and you don't have the discernment yet to know that you've been tricked. So then you agree to it and you find out later on, there's a, there's a big piece of your soul missing because it, it got taken. I have a so hard I'm time knowing like learning my sovereignty from, from everything out there that is um, uh, evil and dark and wants to take away who I am which is a soul and a spirit. I have this hard time like understanding. Um, I've heard a couple, like this sort of resonated with me and I don't really know what, how to think about it. But like you always hear like when you die, go to the light, go to the light. But then I've also heard some people say that like the light is the reincarnation loop. It's the prison planet. It's the thing that brings you back into this system. It's yeah. um, so, so part of me is like, wow, I'd really like to know the answer to that question. Like, um, Yeah, Simon yeah. Parks brought that out and he did a really good job of explaining that reincarnation loop. So now that takes us down the road, that takes us down the rabbit hole of extraterrestrials and um, interdimensionals that we share this planet with. And who really does own planet Earth? You know, it's not us. There is something else that owns planet Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, and that would certainly be uh, many different extraterrestrial groups, but we've got the negative extraterrestrials and the positive, as always. Mm -hmm. And uh, the negative extraterrestrials have really been heavy duty on this planet for a long time. And then especially they came in uh, during World War I and World War II and have pretty much taken over ever since then. Uh, Germans really didn't lose World War II. They yeah. just try to make us think we, that they lost. But Actually, they, that'd be really, you should, tell, you should tell your story, the one about how the German paper won or the, how the people, you know which one I'm talking about? I know which one you're talking about. Do you want yeah, to talk about that one? I don't want to go into that one. Okay. Maybe but, another yeah. one. Yeah. Maybe another one. Because that's, like, that's a pretty good story, Wendy. For, yeah. for the Germans didn't, probably didn't lose, yeah. Right, no, you know, Operation Paperclip really was, it, it was true. 
you know, and we brought all these German scientists over and we put them into our intelligence agencies and our governments and corporations and treated them like kings and queens because they were smart and they had access to technology which was given to them by extraterrestrials who were more on the negative path because it was about controlling planet and controlling the earthlings and this group agreed to it and then you got another group over here you've got the alliance and the federation that's working with the white hats in the government oh my god there's so many rabbit holes here i know so, but anyways uh i do I do believe in that from my own personal experiences. And I know you've had your own experiences with ETs or yep. interdimensionals or extra dimensional or whatever, non, uh, non-human, non-human entities. There <laughs> yeah, we go. Non-human entities that for me, they're, they're here and they're real. And it's, it's another extension of life. They're here. So another reason for me to want to create this declaration of sovereignty again is that it's mine the soul is mine and i'm not willing to give it up to anybody else uh to use in any kind of way it's mine i get to do this you know if i gotta tattoo the name of god across my head i'll do it <laughs> but um, I don't get See, it. I, I, I have that feeling with the negative and with the positive. I kind of feel like I, I don't know whether or not I'm being tricked by either side. Like I don't, you know, just cause yeah. you're, you know, a pretty little blue light that comes into my room. I don't know who you, I mean, I, I'm still right. not a hundred percent sure. Like right. if that's not an illusion, I don't know, you know, um, yeah, you, you, you could be like, you can look like a gargoyle or you can look like a b- beautiful little angel. I don't really know. But at the end of the day, either way, like, come at me like an equal and like, I'll, I'll figure out whether or not this is something I want to get behind or not. I'm not, I'm right. not just, I, 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 I've come to like where my sovereignty has come in is that like, I don't blindly follow and or believe anything, you know? Um, yeah. And I I consider myself very lucky because I have had personal experience with this stuff. Like, I I don't know that I would care about this stuff if I had if I hadn't. Like, it, I had I know I would have a real hard time believing extraterrestrials were real if it was just some people on YouTube saying they were real. Like yeah. for me, it's like yeah, I I I've had them come into my room at night. I've I've gone in ships and things and dreams. I've Right. I've had lifelong experiences in multiple different times. I have, I have four siblings and two of them have had nothing and think that I am just crazy. Right. Well, see, that's a good point because part of your declaration of sovereignty is you do have to take care of yourself. It's personal responsibility. You're standing up and saying, I am personally responsible for the physical body, for my decisions, for my actions. Um, mm-hmm all of the above. And I don't want any interference in this new program because, you know, in order for the third eye to open up, uh, for us to be able to, I like to use the expression of looking down because that is what you get to do from, uh, especially from the fifth dimension, you do get to look down all the way through the fourth and all the way down into the third. And bring it all together and you start to see it as a oneness because you've successfully incarnated in the 3d so many times where 3d you pull it all apart to understand it 
we don't have the oneness because we have to pull it all apart. It's like, I'm not going to understand what a bicycle is until I take the tires off, until I take the spokes off, until I take the handles off. I have to take it all apart to understand the parts and then rebuild my bike. Now I just see a bike. But until that, I don't get to understand it until I can take it all apart to understand, oh, it's made of this and this and this and this, you know, this beautiful uh, physics and, and perfect picture of creation. We just get to see this whole. You know, I'm sitting here looking out at this desert of Taos and this incredible mountain, but it just looks like a desert and a mountain. It's not until I get out there and I really start looking at the ground, then it's like, look at the ants. Look at that quartz Each crystal. Little grain of sand, yeah. Oh my God, you know, look at that little animal over there. So you're seeing, now you're not looking at the big picture, you're looking at the parts. You only get to do that in 3D. The parts aren't there. When you're, when you're in a higher dimension, you see everything as a whole in a oneness because you've already successfully accomplished what you have to do. You got to tear everything apart in order to understand the big picture of it. So that's part of that declaration is I, I feel more comfortable now making a declaration than ever before. I mean, I, you know, I'm 70. I could go at any time. I hope not because I want to be here to see. I want to play. I want to play in the new paradigm. But I wouldn't have been able to do this 10, 15, 20 years ago. I didn't know myself well enough to do it. I still had too many fears. Uh, I still didn't know I could take care of myself by myself without a husband or without a family or without an inheritance. I did it myself through choice. No victimhood here, through choice. So I feel good about this declaration, but I know that means I'm responsible. You're being responsible by saying, well, looks good, looks bad, but I'm not going to just accept it. I'm going to do my work before I'm going to accept the blue orb. Cool, but is the blue orb good or is the blue orb bad? It's, it's, it's new in my life. I don't know. And, you know, so you're using your discernment already. You came in with discernment. A lot of us had to learn discernment, but a lot of you guys have already come in with enough discernment that you can get in and out of 3D really fast. You're gonna learn what it is really, really fast. And you can start seeing the whole very, very quickly because you've already been here. You've already done it a zillion times. So- Yeah, I feel like um, a, big, a big key though is um, don't discount your dreamland. Don't discount Ooh. your dreams. Cause like, I think uh, that's training ground. And I think yeah. that that's, yeah, like that's, that, that, that's a real reality somewhere. It is a real reality. And uh, I think about a year ago, I had uh, the most experience, uh, I mean, the best experience I've ever had in my life. And uh, you could say it was in my dream time because I went to bed and it was night and I was sleeping. But the experience itself never felt like a dream. It was definitely um, another dimension that came in, or I went into it, but I, in the other dimension, absolutely 100% realized what was going on. That, wow, what is that person doing in here? And I'm like, wow, what is that person doing in here? And what it was, was 
I must have been uh, deep in sleep somewhere. And all of a sudden, this figure of this man in major detail, it's as if that person was right there in front of me, just from here up, was like, what? He saw me. And I'm like, what? I saw him. It was as if two people were remotely viewing at the same time, trying right. to see what the other one was doing. And all of a sudden, they both realized, holy, holy shit. Uh, that guy just remotely viewed me and, and he sees that I'm remotely viewing him because it was that real. And the moment that we both said, what are you doing in here? It, it vanished. It was like, it wasn't supposed to be happening, but it happened. I, I had a, a similar to that um, recently. I can't, it, like it was within 2020. Um, this, this woman was, I don't know. She, she, I was in her living room and she was playing with some cards or something. And she was like a black woman in her fifties or sixties. And she had a bunch of like animal print stuff on. And this was in the, the time frame of the room looks kind of like 1970s or something. And she pulled me in and I was like, oh, like, it's like she interrupted a dream, pulled me in and yeah. I was like, where, what year are you from? And I was like, what? And she's yeah. like, what year do you live in right now? And I was like, I get to 2020. And she was like, perfect. Okay, so tell me about some companies. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, what are some big companies right now in 2020? And I was like, well, like, what do you mean? She's like, who are the biggest corporations? Who are the biggest Apple, corporations? IBM. And I, I was like, I was like, I don't know. What do you mean? Like Apple, Google, like Facebook? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, wait, 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 what are these? And she was like, started writing them down. Yeah. And, then, and and then I didn't realize I was being manipulated. And then her fella comes in the room and he's like naked and he's wanting to like get something on. And then he like, he's like, and I'm like, whoa, 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 I don't, what's going on here? And he can't see me. He can't hear me. And he sits like almost on top of me. And I could, and I like noted, I was like a ghost. I like was going through him. And yeah. I was like, Hey, where am I? What is it? And she's like, you can leave now. You can leave. And I was like, uh, how? <laughs> Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. I felt like she pulled me like a ghost in, yeah. but I wasn't a ghost. I was just dreaming. I was in my dreamland. Right. It, maybe it was just a crazy dream. I don't know, whatever. And then I, I'm really good at changing channels in my dreams. And, and then, so I changed the channel, but I was like, that one was weird. Like, and I feel like that's an interesting situation. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on pay attention to your dreams because it's, they're definitely either, you know, different dimensions mm -hmm. or we are being taken out of our body and put on a ship and uh, That's experiencing life uh, elsewhere, not on this planet or just changing dimensions. And, and, and a lot of time, with, a lot of stuff with time too. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I've got a lot of past life memories, um, both being other aliens, I guess I would say, um, not even human. I don't necessarily have as many human memories, but I do have a lot of ET memories or of feeling of being actually being the ET itself through dream time. So there's weird stuff that happens there that I don't think is, uh, um, just to be disregarded as your brain processing the day's memory and filing it away somewhere. It's that's no, there's a third of our life is spent sleeping. Why? Yeah, yeah, to use all those parts of the brain we don't know about yet, our inter interdimensional parts. 
-hmm. you know so that may be 3d is done here in awake but 4d 5d all the other densities are done uh in an interdimensional way which is probably within our brains and we have to put this body asleep in order to move to the other dimensions just yeah. with our uh light bodies we can go off and do that yeah i mean otherwise like you're not getting any work done here it's not i, I guess like i mean yeah i don't know i don't i obviously don't have any of it figured out but uh i know enough to know that i don't know i'll tell yeah, you that that's a good place to be we know enough yeah. to know that we don't know yeah yeah but uh, I'm actually excited because I think some amazing stuff is coming down the pipe and it's going to change. And uh, I mean, I really hope it does. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I think it will. And I don't want to give up on humanity. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that thinks we only need a certain percentage uh, to make a really big shift. And yeah. uh, so like the Bible says, you know, you only need 144,000. I think you we know, got that. that. In the book sure, of Revelations, sure. it's going to come back and help us. It doesn't take much to tip the scale. So I think it's, uh, you know, if we back ourselves up with good, strong spiritual power, it will happen. Get rid of our fears, you know, uh, take a stand. Don't be afraid. Get yourself with a good group of people that really support who you are and what, you're, what you want to do. You know, that human resonance in a group collective consciousness is so much stronger than trying to do things on your own. Yeah, yeah that is true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think it's important to, to, to not, don't even try to be an Island. No, you know, just try to find a cool Island with people on it <laughs> that you like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I know within my own life, I, I have a lot of people that I never thought would be waking up who are sort of waking up. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. It's like, okay, so all these years of research and all these days of sending videos forward to people who say, don't send me this crap. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've got a couple that are saying, no, I don't mind. Go ahead and send it. You know, it was like, yeah. yes, at least the door is open. And uh, I got somebody now who's actually sending me videos. And that was a person who said, don't send me that crap anymore. And now it's not a lot, but I got one yesterday and it was about, um, oh God. Oh, it was, it was the Dr. Rashid Batar. Oh, right, right. And she goes, oh, this guy's, this guy's really interesting. Listen to him and tell me what you think. <laughs> It was like, oh, yay. She actually watched this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I definitely have like a couple flight attendant friends who will be like, oh, check this out. It's yeah. like that crazy stuff you like, but I think it's real. I'll be like, oh, okay, send it on, man. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So we're, do we're doing all right. Just don't give up the good fight. So what, what is Emory Smith doing right now? Because I haven't followed him in a couple of months. Yes. Uh, well, you know, he was he was going to be going to contact in the desert. And I think, you know, Emery walks a little different path than a lot of the other ones. Uh, and that's kind of why I really like him in, in that he hasn't given up 
um, all of his scientific world. He is still very much involved in um, inventing and creating a lot of these free energy products. So he's still kind of he's still kind of involved in that. He's a, he's a true scientist and a true biologist and a true experimenter and inventor. So he still does do all of that. Um, I would not doubt if he isn't also still involved in um, special projects because you really don't get out of that. You know, you can kind of right. retire or you can kind of change what your projects are, but you become so highly trained and you're such an asset that he's a young guy you know he's probably still getting but he probably gets to pick and choose what he wants to do with those so i wouldn't doubt if he isn't still involved in some of that wasn't uh, he in a building or talking about building a community yes that's that's a huge project that he wants to do he's really focused on trying to build um a place for all war veterans to come to for free medical help because he has the technology from the secret space programs that will rebuild body parts without invasive uh, surgeries. He has the technology that will help people who have been uh, mind wiped. So he's really focusing in on the military, but it will certainly I'm sure be a facility where you can, anybody could go in and get help, but that's the premise. That's where he'd like to have the money donated or receive any grants that he can to make it for our veterans. And I know he's talked about, you know, maybe really trying to get it out in the desert somewhere. So maybe New Mexico, Arizona, mm -hmm. where the plan, the, the land would not be expensive in uh, building it in a self-sustaining ecological manner. So he's, he's really got a, you know, a big vision. But I think as far as the medical end, he has got it all. He's got all those tools. He knows how to build them. He's got the plans. He knows what he's gonna do with it. And then he's done so much with that cell therapy. He's, uh, he's a real guru in that area too, stem cell therapy. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's really left any of that. He spends a lot of time still working on the sciences and the biology. And then where you see him uh, on a regular basis is he does the Zoom Q&As. So he's got another one coming up uh, in May. So if you go to his website, Emory Smith, I think it's emorysmith.org. If it's not org, it's .com. You can go in there and you can see where the next Q&A is and he, comes on like this and talks for easily three hours. And what he does is he just asks everybody, put in your question in the chat room and he just goes down one question after another, after another, after another. If a question is repeated, you know, he just skips, skips over it. it. Yeah. yeah, but it's, it's really, really good. So that's how he's trying to stay in touch with everybody on a regular basis. He doesn't want to be a guru. He doesn't want to, you know, come out like some people who I won't mention who because they have extraterrestrial experiences or contacts they're spiritual and they're spiritual gurus right no well that, that that doesn't compute for me and he doesn't want to be put in that position he wants to be he wants to be who he is he's a guy that's had experiences and been in the military and the sciences and that's who he is and that's where he's going to stay and then you know the his 
his prof other profession is the Gaia station. Right. Okay. So he's on that every single week. Totally different. We are not going to go back. Don't want to go back. Let's do something different. Yeah, let's do it differently this time, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, it's, it's, it's our turn. You know, the ball's been thrown to the people now. You know, and there's enough people, I think, that have been researching and watching and going to conferences and raise their, their consciousness high enough that their intuition's kicking in, their discernment's kicking in, and they're going to yeah. say, I think I can make this decision on my own. No, thank you. And, and it, is, it is funny because it's like, I haven't really been invested in TV shows or, you know, traditional TV or movies in years because like YouTube and like personal research is my, like my computer is my, my jam, you know what I'm saying? Like that is, and uh, so when I saw things like out of the shadows, I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's good for people who are still in yes, that narrative, but it's like, I kind of, I kind of felt that on a gut roll level, like a long time ago, I guess it just naturally started, stopped losing interest watching fake murder shows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It was excellent. I watched it again this morning before I came on here with you and it was like, this is perfect. This is newbie material for people. You know, when you say fake news and then other people who don't research, you're like, what do you mean fake news? What do you mean? They don't do that. These are professionals. This is our news, you know? And it's like maybe in the fifties, but it hasn't <laughs> right. been like that anymore. Yeah, it's a corporate agenda. Oh, like, it's a conglomerate. Yeah. Corporate agenda. Yeah, and they, but they don't even know what that is because they don't they don't want to take the time to go in and, and research. Apparently, it's a CIA agenda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when, when I was there, uh, Richard Helms was director of CIA, and he knew about a lot of stuff that he did not agree with because CIA like military and everything else there's white hats and black hats and every corporation every religion military everything so Richard Helms was doing what he could do to clean up a lot of what he knew was uh, compartmentalized agendas that were going on that even he as director like the president was not being given information on because it's so easy to do that in an intelligence agency, when you're told right away, everything's compartmentalized. You do not need to know anything more than what I put right in front of your desk. And, and you, you don't, ask, don't any ask any questions to anybody else, right? You do it. You don't share information. You do not expose what you know. You just do this little part. And you know, you and it's funny that you were married to another agent and you guys oh never talked about anything. Nothing. Never. We were so good. We wouldn't think of come on, honey, it's time to go home. And we meet up in the parking lot and we go home. We never talk about work. You know, we get home, we do this and do that and enjoy life. And, but it was never, ever on our mind to ever share anything because, you know, and that's, you know, we were, we were good Americans. We, we took these oaths. I thought I was going in there to uh, protect my country and the American citizens, you know, and, I didn't have to be in there too long to realize that once I was in and stationed and it was like, Oh shit, they're going to ask me to do this. They're asking me to do that. 
they're asking this person to go do that, you know, so then all my morality came in, you know, and, and then it was like, oh, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. This just, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do the things that they're asking me to do because I had this higher consciousness when I came in that was saying, this no. is, not, you're not doing what you thought you were doing. They're, they're lying to you. These guys are lying to you. So some things were, you know, 50% of what I did was cool and great and exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And 50% that I was being asked to do, some of it I did and some of them I just said, no can't do it you know which right away becomes a black mark on your record which is okay you're only going to go she's this not far. compliant yeah there's she's yeah. not compliant she is only going to go this far you're never you're never going to get to go to the really great luxury stations in in europe you're always going to be put in africa because nobody wants to go to the stations in africa you know and if you don't comply uh your gs rating isn't going to go up you're going to just sit here you know, so they always got you. They always, they always got you. They always figured out, you know, how do we get a hold of you? You know, and then you just have to make a, you have to make a choice, which is everything they're dangling in front of me looks really, really good. But if I got to give my soul for it, no, you know, still sovereign here. Uh, I'll yeah. go somewhere else and make it. I guess that's what happened. That's what happened. Something else came in and won out. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. Me too. Life's been just as interesting outside than in the inside. How You were in the CIA for how long? Four years. Okay. Not, not long. I was recruited directly from college, not knowing what I was being recruited for. I was simply picked out. Uh, what was dangled in front of me was, you know, we've looked at your records. We'd love to have you come in, run you through some tests and uh, have you come work for the government in Washington, DC. And I'm looking for a job. They obviously somehow knew a lot about me because my high school boyfriend who I was engaged to at that time was uh, at the US Naval Academy right down in Maryland. Uh, so that would have been another draw, which is, oh yeah, I'll go work in Washington, DC and I'll be right, right next, next to him. my fiance. So I think that there was just too much that they knew about me. So anyways, um, I went through a lot of the tests and then they offered me a job and they just simply said, you know, come down to a certain street in a certain building at a certain day in a certain time. So I did that. And then it was just more tests. So now I agreed to come in to work for some department somewhere in the government. Um, they couldn't tell me what, because they said, well, it's huge. The government is huge, and but we will place you somewhere. And my whole thing was, you know, at the age of 20, I just wanted to be with my boyfriend. Oh, DC sounds really, really exciting. <laughs> I didn't right. know it was gonna be the agency. So then finally, after all this testing, the day came where you go up front and they, everybody got a letter as to which organization they were gonna be working for. And that's when I found out, you know, show up at McLean at the CIA building and come on in. A certain door where you go in, all the newbies, all of us newbies that were gonna work at the agency, 
uh, all lined up and we got our badges and then you go in and you get all these all this other paperwork that's thrown at you and the first thing you're going to sign is you know that you're not going to disclose anything and then uh, I would say for three more months now I'm in the agency knowing oh wow I'm gonna work for the CIA this is cool then there's three more months of more testing uh, now they want to find out how proficient you are at languages uh, they want to know how proficient you are with any psychic abilities they want to know uh, what your value system is. What are you willing to do? And I remember the question, which I've asked other people who used to work for the agency. And I said, when you were in the agency and you were answering questions, do you remember the question that said, does the end justify the means? And everybody went, yep, because you had to write a whole essay. Does the end right. justify the means? And justify the means. They want to know how far are you willing to go? What are you willing to do to get to the end? And what are you doing? Can you justify what you are doing to get to that end result? Wow, it's like little creating little psychological assassins. Absolutely. It's like if we tell you <clears throat> that you're going to go into Iran or Iraq, and uh, you will have to kill people, but you're doing it for America and you're doing to protect the citizens of America, will you do that? So if the means is killing, are you willing to do that for the end, which is America? So that's what they wanna know. So that's the next psychological test. What are you willing to do to work for us? So that was a question that was asked to everybody. And I did ask my ex-husband, he goes, oh yeah, that, they asked that to everybody. You know, he was a case officer, but um, he was also uh, an attorney and he, he had his LLM, so he had a master's in international law. So he could be used at any embassy anywhere uh, legally for the State Department. So that is what he was doing. He was actually in Dar es Salaam, out front in the embassy as vice counsel for any American citizen that came in to interpret any kind of law or any kind of legal issues. Mm. So he was over there legally for the State Department. I was over there just as a wife because you can't legally say you're working for the agency. So I was there as his wife. I'm in the same embassy, but I'm back in a vault, in the communications vault with you know, one, two, three, four, there were four of us. There were four of us that were actually full-time working for CIA in the embassy. Uh, undercover State Department is where we were actually located. So if anybody ever saw us or ran into us, they'd see us coming in and out of the door that was in the embassy State Department vice counsel's office. So he was really the vice counsel, but everybody else that was in there was all doing we were all, like a shrill, a little shrill operation. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, but yeah, I remember you were saying that you, like the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. Like you, you guys, he had no idea what you were doing there. Nope, no idea. And then that, well, you know that that came out uh, through my daughter visiting him. I think I told you this because he's now got um, Parkinson's disease. And about a year ago, he, he really got bad. And I kept encouraging my daughter. I said, you, 
please just listen to what I'm saying. You can't imagine now what it's going to be like when your dad goes. So I said, even though you don't have a really great close relationship with your dad, five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years down the road, you're going to be saying, why didn't I ask him this question? And I said, that's what you need to be doing now. Because get information, yeah. Parkinson's. you need to be doing this. So I remember she went in to visit him and he was in a home at that particular time. And she's texting me on the phone saying, okay, I'm here. I have the foggiest idea what to ask my dad. And I said, ask him about his time in the agency. I said, you're talking, oh no, he's never talked about it. I said, talk to him about it. Ask, start asking him questions. Find out who your dad really was in those years. So that's how it all came out. So I'm at this end texting her what to ask him. And he's at the other end, knowing that I'm on the other end. And she was the go-between, you know? So I, you know, I was, and I, now I'm finally asking him questions that I wish I had been able to ask all these years, but I got so ingrained in don't talk about it that I didn't. So I, I pulled out a few, you know, and I said, um, well, first of all, I said, ask your dad if he signed an NDC when we left the agency. So I hear, ask him, and he goes, no, I, I was State Department. I didn't have to sign an NDC. And I'm like, what did he say? So I go back in, I said, Gretchen, um, I said, uh, ask your dad, after we got out, we moved to Lynchburg, Virginia, and he got a job at a life insurance company as a lawyer for a life insurance. Ask him if he put down on that job application that he just spent, he'd, he'd been in much longer than me, so that he had just spent 10 years working for the CIA. And he goes, no, I put down State Department because I worked for the State Department. You know, and I'm like, I cannot believe this. I said, so you never, the day that we left, and you didn't have to Clean. sign any papers yeah. of non-disclosure, they never told you that you would, if you leave, you will never be able to use CIA as a place of employment. It, it does not exist anywhere, anywhere on any of your records. And he goes, no. Oh. And I'm like, I cannot believe this. And I said, David, I had to do all of that. I had to sign non-disclosures. I said, nowhere in my employment history can I prove that I worked at CIA other than through, than through you. Or if some other person who I know in the agency stands up and says, yeah, I worked with her. And he goes, well, yeah, he says, that's because of the fact that you did work for CIA. You didn't work for State Department. Your cover wasn't State Department. You went over there as my wife. So according to uh, embassies uh, or anything legal, you know, Wendy McMahon is the wife of David McMahon, and she's over there as wife. He said, nobody knew what you were doing. I said, no, nobody knew what I was doing. And I said, right. And he said, because you truly were CIA. And I said, but what about when you were at McLean, and I was at McLean, and you were at your end, and I was at my end? It's a huge facility. You know, and we'd meet for lunch and dinner, and I said, then you were working for the agency. And he goes, yeah, then I was working for the agency. You know, and he said, but you were exposed to information and jobs that I was never exposed to, didn't need to know, um, wasn't supposed to know, 
So I didn't sign an NDC. And I said, did you ever know that I was working with Navy SEALs who came from their base in Rome, Italy, down to us? I met them at the airport, picked them up, drove them to the safe house, and then they were brought down there for a huge project, which was bugging. Hello. I don't know how many people are getting <laughs> this information. Um, bugging the first ever North Korean embassy. That was huge. I mean, everybody, the Russians were there, the Chinese, everybody was there trying to bug the North Korean embassy because at that time, North Korea was considered probably the most dangerous group of people because they're so crazy. So they came down to try to bug it because it was going to be new construction, which would be much easier. And they decided that they were going to build it. Dar es Salaam is right on the Indian Ocean. And they were going to build it um, right along the side of the ocean, but part of it was going to be extended over the ocean on, on big pylons. Hmm. Oh boy, the seals love that because right. that's where they could come in because they can do underwater stuff. They can get in and get out through the ocean. Nobody's going to ever going to see them. They can do it at night. They've got all these technical skills and it's just an empty frame. So that's why they showed up immediately. Well, David's, David is thundering going, what? You did that? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I knew that the seals were in, but, you know, compartmentalization. I didn't have any reason to know why they were there. Why they were there. Wow. And I said, you don't even remember me leaving at night, do you? And he goes, no. When did you leave? And I said, usually, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning. I saw him sleep. And I wasn't going to wake him to tell him I was going because... We weren't supposed to. Unbelievable. You know, and it's like, this is how well that works. And I've often sat there and thought, how, how has all of this UFO stuff and this extraterrestrial in the secret space program gone on for a good 50 years and nobody's known about it? You know, and now looking back, I go, well, we were primitive CIA people in the 70s look what they're doing now look at the technology right. so yeah that's why they can do it so well now well yeah well and like i i, I and in, in regards to the ufo stuff i mean i feel like there's so much evidence if you really go online you can put in any town in any city in any place in the world and a UFO at the end of the name of any city, and you'll find some kind of light, some kind of weird cloud, some kind of weird, strange sound, something that's caught on an iPhone. They're all over, but they're all discounted just because it's not on the mainstream news. That's exactly right. And I just asked this question the other day to a friend of mine that lives up in Durango, and she's, um, she's retired now. She was a, a psychotherapist, and uh, even wrote a book like 10 years ago, a fiction book about her and a cat and UFOs. <laughs> and, you know, she's been a believer, but she sends me this uh, email and I was like, whoa, what virus got into you? And she says, have you ever seen the movie called The Mirage Men? I said, yeah. I said, it's right here in Albuquerque. I said, I even know the house that the guy lived in. And she goes, is that true? And I said, yeah. And she goes, I, I just don't believe it. I don't, I don't believe it at all. 
And I'm like, what part don't you believe? And she says, well, I don't believe that someone from the FBI or CIA would go to this guy. Oh, God, what's his name now? Oh, shoot. There was this guy that was that actually uh, worked at Sandia. And Sandia Labs is inside the uh, Air Force Base down there. Yeah. It's hidden inside. So he's at, this guy is at his home, and all of a sudden he looks out, and he sees this big disc UFO taken off from the Air Force Base. You know, and he's like, what the hell was that? And right away, his thought was, that was a UFO. So he goes back to the Air Force Base, and he says, dudes, I saw a UFO. And it was, it was here. So the poor guy, you know, being so innocent, is going in there and saying, yeah, and I got photographs of it. And oh yeah, I you know I've got all this equipment at home, and I can watch all this stuff. So he's going on and on. Well, of course, anybody at the Air Force Base that's part of this program is like, "Are you kidding me?" You know, they're like, "Dude, you can't talk about this." He goes, "Well, well, really?" He goes, "Look, what's, don't you guys know?" And he goes, "Dude, so what did they do? The perfect CIA program. Make this guy feel like he is so important." that he has got to be part of the program to get a silence. So they knew exactly how to handle him. They knew if they told him, oh, dude, this is so stupid, he he's going to be even him. more determined to keep taking photos and start spreading this information out to prove what he knows to be true and saw. So the agency and their psychological program, they know very well. Okay, the last thing you want to do is turn this guy off because he's already got all this information, videos. He's got all this equipment in his house, monitoring it because he's a scientist. It was, it was a perfect setup. So they go over there, you know, and they send this, oh God, I'm terrible with these names. I'm forgetting it. So they send this FBI CIA agent in and he goes in and he goes, dude, you're an important man. You're right. That's a UFO, but we can't tell anybody. You're not part of the program. We want you to continue <laughs> to take these photos. You bring us all this information. This is gonna be a big deal. So he does, and what do they do in the meantime? This goes on for years. They start driving this guy crazy. They're literally getting into his head and driving him crazy. That's how they handled it. Barrage men, that's what they are. They're doing counterintelligence. So my friend, she's like, this is true. This can't be true. And I said, well, it is. And I said, I'm shocked that you who believe in UFOs is even questioning this. So I send her the question that I send to most people when they go, this isn't true. And I send them the same question, which is, what is it going to take for you to, you to yeah. believe that this is true? Well, I want some kind of facts. And I said, well, geez. I said, there's tons of information that's written on it from very valid people, but that's not good enough. No, no, that's not good enough. I said, okay, so what if someone who was held in very high esteem in the government came out? Well, who would that be? Then I go, how about the Mitch McConnell? Canada, 
right? Yeah. Sorry, Minister of Canada. How about astronauts that have come up with it? Have, they don't. Right. Care. Right. So it was like, so what about the dude who, you know, Department of Defense of Canada, who has seen and viewed all this intelligence, top secret intelligence his whole life, and now he's retired and he's going to die soon and he's coming out and bringing all this information out. Is that good enough? Is that enough fact? Is that enough uh, people who are held in high esteem? No. No, no. that's the thing. It's not it, like that. Like, won't be anything that will make them believe. It, it just won't. I don't know if something landed in their yard, if they would if even they believe. believe it. That's the thing is, it's like, I mean, um, uh, <laughs> like people can have people within their own family that have had experiences and they don't even believe them. You know, it's, it, it is, I, I almost feel like it, it's got to be a personal revelation with it. Like they have to, yeah. it, they have to personally have experiences or something, uh, yeah. actual conversation with the being or something in order. Right. To, I, I don't know. It's exactly, I agree. It's, it's personal experience or a high spiritual revelation. Yeah. You know, that, so maybe I haven't experienced it, but I don't have any doubt that it isn't true because I know in the greater scheme now there's there's beings and planets and intelligences that are infinite. So yes, of course they of course they're there. You know it's like geez, geez, even the Pope came out. Even the Pope came out a few years ago and said, Oh, I'll baptize aliens. I'll baptize extraterrestrials. That was all over the newspaper. <laughs> you know, I said, so if you're a good Catholic, is that good enough? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, like, um, and I used to like, w like, it's so weird. Like my, my psychology of all of everything has changed where it's kind of like, I, like, I really don't care if people believe or not. No, I don't okay. either anymore. I'm not trying to make anybody believe anything anymore. Yeah. Most of what I did, I did for myself. Yeah, exactly. You know, and now I'll share it with whoever's interested in listening to it and they can decide for themselves what they want to do. Yeah. You know, like, um, one of my earliest ET memories was before school. I was probably like four or five and um, these little tiny, we lived about 20 minutes south of, of uh, Sandia Labs and uh -huh. or Kirkland Air Force Base. And uh -huh. um, we were on the swim team when we were little, like starting when I was five or six years old, I was uh, competitively swimming in the summers and we would go to swim meets at the base, like at Kirkland Air Force Base, like, until I was in the eighth grade. And, um, yeah, uh, I remember, um, uh, these little beings coming in and my cut, like my mom was like, we, the house that we lived on, lived in, uh, we were, me and my two younger siblings were all in one room. We were sharing a room and we all had little day beds and my the siblings are one year younger than me and then one year younger than her. So we're just like, we're like Irish triplets. We're like, boom, boom, boom. We're all 14 months apart. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, um. And I have a cousin who was the same age as my little sister. So there was four of us in there and we're asleep in the middle of the night. I hear a noise. I wake up, but I'm like paralyzed. And I watch these little beings. They're like a uh, little grays, but they were clothed. They had suits on. They walk in through the window as if it didn't have glass there. They just walk straight through the glass. They step over the wall, but they walk through the glass. And then like uh, they moved the blinds up, walk through the glass, walk over to my uh sister and my cousin's bed and uh like three of them would be around first they go to my cousin and all three disappear with my cousin all three disappear and i'm like and she's gone and then three more come into the window and go over to my little sister they touch as soon as they get to my little sister my cousin appears 
just she appears out of nowhere on the bed and then they take my sister my sister's gone and then four come in and go over to my little brother and as soon as they get to my little brother my little sister appears on the bed and they, oh. he's gone he's disappeared and then wow. uh four come in the window and are coming towards me and i'm trying to scream i'm trying to like do something whatever i see out of the corner of my eye my brother appears on the bed and then You're and i and they, they get closer to me blackout i don't know anything that's my last end of my memory um yeah. so I, I think it's probably because of how close proximity we were to the base, you know? I think they probably do that with a lot of local New Mexican kids, if I'm being honest. Oh, no, I think probably so. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they did. I don't have any memory past that, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, but, I, 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 but I've had uh, ET experiences my whole life. Right. And I had the same... Mine was just in a very concentrated four or five year period where I was consistently going through the paralysis at night and knowing that there were entities in the room, could not talk, but I was not able to even open my eyes. So I couldn't see or identify the entities, but I knew that there was something there other than myself mm -hmm. that shouldn't be there, that I didn't want to be there. So my experience was was not fun but i can't uh once i got into the state of paralysis i could still i still had a knowingness that they were doing stuff to my body i knew that i could feel pressure not pain but i could feel pressure so i could tell like what part of my body they were either okay, working, working on, on yeah. or being on so I knew all of that. And then all of a sudden I could scream and then I would consciously wake up. But what would be so weird is that, you know, my husband would be next to me, never heard a thing. Sound asleep, snoring out, never heard a thing. Um, I would scream and then he would wake up and he would go, oh God, what's the matter? And many times, my clothes were off and on the floor. My pillow would be on the floor. No covers. You know, but he wouldn't even notice that. You know, and I'd wake up and I'd be like, God almighty, there's something in here. I said, this, this has been going on for years. This is on a regular basis. Something. Because I didn't know. The last thing I, I never even thought... UFOs or ETs. It just wasn't part of that experience anymore. I mean, my time period, that's not where you go. Mm -hmm. You go to the crazy, the crazy loony bin because, right. you know, it's not, you don't have ETs coming in. And I would tell him over and over and over again, he goes, you're just having bad nightmares. And I said, this is not a nightmare. I said, why am I frozen? I can't move. And he's because you're asleep. And I said, but I'm not asleep. I know I'm not asleep. So, I mean, that just, that went on and on. And well, then you it, had a, you had a little implant in what? Your I, or oh, yeah. oh yeah. In fact, I, um, I'm beginning to wonder again, because I cannot get through any airport facility, the security facilities mm -hmm. without them pulling me off and saying it's showing metal in such and such an area showing metal here. It's showing metal there. And it's like, I have no metal 
in my body. I no replacements, no heart problem, no nothing. But this has happened, I'd say maybe like the last six times that I've gotten on a plane. Two of the times in Albuquerque, they took me aside and I had to strip because they were so adamant about the fact that I had metal around my waist and in my groin area. Unless I, I don't. And I, I do everything. I mean, I go in with one cotton shirt, no jewelry, no underwire bra. I no longer wear blue jeans that has a zipper or any kind of metal pins right, on it. Right. Yoga pants. Yoga pants. Makes no difference. It's always the same thing. So now I'm wondering, did somehow implants get back put into me? And, and that's why everything is showing up on the, on the screen. So wait, yeah. are you the one who was telling me that you took you you took an implant out and then put it on the I counter did. and it was gone? Yeah, yeah, that was that was back um, when all those visitations stopped, and they stopped because I pulled in. This is before I was metaphysical. I was I was so exhausted with this, and I reached out in so many areas for help. And where do you go? You know, in the early seventies for this, there's no place to go. Um, I went to a psychic and I said, would you please come to my house and cleanse it? I said, there's, there is something in here that's coming and visiting me and all that kind of stuff. And this psychic, she was good. She goes, I get the feeling it's ETs. You know, and I'm like, what's ET? She goes, extraterrestrials. What? You know, I'm coming from hardcore CIA military government shit. I'm not coming from all that stuff. And she goes, I don't know. I'm getting the feeling that you're getting visited by ETs. So she does some kind of a light ceremony and everything. And I, and I remember she was saying, you know, this entity, Wendy, no longer wants you to come and visit. It frightens her. It scares her. She does not want it. Wendy, do you want it? No, I don't want any more of this visitation. And it stopped. After that is when, you know, I checking my body and feeling around and finding out that on my right hip, I said, what the hell is this little thing here? And it was so close to the surface of the skin and I just kept feeling it, you know, and I went, this is really hard, really hard. You know, well, I didn't fall. I know there's nothing stuck in there. And it was so close to the surface that I just, I pulled it up really tight and got a little razor blade and I did a little cut there and squeezed and squeezed and did another little cup and up pops this little black, uh, it looked like a little tiny little capsule. It wasn't one of the uh, arrow shapes. It's a little round pill-like capsule that probably was like maybe three to four millimeters long, but it was uh, very rock-like, metal rock-like material. And uh, it had a, uh, biological sheath around it, which was probably my skin that right, somehow yeah. covered it, uh, trying to accept it or absorb it. So it was covered. So part of that was still on there. And then when I, when I pulled it out, you know, I could see it was completely connected to my body. So I just snipped all that off. So then I had it there and I was like, I can't wait to show this to Todd, my husband, you know, it's like, what the hell is this in my body? So I put it in my jewelry box, went to work, went to the jewelry store, went to work, came back. Todd came back that night and I said, you got to look at this. And we'd go upstairs. There's nothing. 
So I think it was able to dissolve. Okay. Or they came in and got it. Or they came and got it. Either one. Right. Either one. And then out here, um, there was it's a funny because my brother claims like he think he's he cl he thinks he has a couple behind his ears, um, and he'll show you like there'll be like little yeah it'll look like a little knot, little bump. Little bump. Like yeah, and like he claims that they must have put another one in recently because he said that he felt like something his neck hurt and he felt like he, in a dream he feels like they they came like he feels like he got he says I feel like I got abducted and then they came into my room at night with his wife in the other bed and they took me and they put something in my neck and he's like and I woke up this morning and I have this and you're like and he like took a video of it for me and I'm like okay yeah. well um I, you know but how do you verify it. Well, what's interesting is Dr. The other Dr. Uh, Lear, the guy that was removing implants from people mm -hmm. and then sent them to Emory Smith and Dr. Greer, who then took it through all the laboratories, you know, and they find out that they're all meteorites and they're not from this planet. Uh, he, he was a podiatrist and he got interested and involved in it because working on some people's feet, he started finding these things and they go oh yeah what is what is that thing that bump on my foot you know and he goes well, i don't know how long has it been there and they go maybe you know made something my whole life or showed up in my 20s and it feels really weird and he was a surgeon he was a batitis and a surgeon he goes well you want to take it out yeah take it out you know well, what is it and he starts finding all these little arrowhead shaped metal meteorite implants so but he saved them and he sent them to doctors to get them analyzed. So I know that they went to, they used Alamos, not, yeah, Los Alamos, laboratories there. And then I don't know, oh, probably Sandia because Emery Smith was working with Greer, but still working at Sandia Labs. He had access. So then they also did it. And they all came back saying, these are made from metals that are not known on this planet. They appear to be meteorites and their implants. And as they could study them, they could see that it seems to be alive in that it has a consciousness. So it's some right. kind of AI. But that, and then that doctor suddenly dies of cancer. So I think he was only able to now, do- Now some people cancer. have talked about how the, the implants have actually helped them. Like they've done yeah. good things for them. Like they've helped ailments or whatever. But right. yeah, right. And I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt. I mean, you know, you got the white hats that have the same technology, but use it yeah. for help. And you got the black hats that use it for empowerment. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There that probably, you know, they may even be able to track it themselves and say, well, up until this point, I had really bad arthritis. And then this thing showed up and I don't have arthritis anymore. <clears throat> so I don't know what it is, but don't take it out. Right as an example. Yeah, I heard about some guy who, like you were saying, knee placement. There's some guy who had um, this uh, flower-shaped one, like uh, there, were, there were there were like five or six, like kind of peels shaped in, in a form, uh, like a, around a ring implant that was put somewhere near his knee and his knee was fine with it. So he actually did not want them to take it out because he was like, actually, it's right. been fine since then. So let's keep yeah. that in there. Right, yeah. So, so I mean, there's this wonderful technology for all of us to be using, hopefully, in five, ten years. 
It will change the, the whole thing. No, parent. it needs to come now. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be wonderful. So, yeah, we got to do what we can do to support people like Emery and, and these other good white hats in the military and the good people in corporations and whatever to open this all up. And I'm sure Trump has been um, somehow told about whatever he I can be told about as far yeah. as ETs. And if he's got some really good military with him, which he does, he probably knows that, you know, there's all this fabulous technology out there that would help clean the earth up like that, uh, as yeah. well as medical technology. Our medical stuff could improve a ton, and so could our, yeah. you know, uh, if we really, if the, I mean, you know, if the zero gravity stuff, if that really is true, and they really do have the technology to do the zero gravity, like that's, it's been given to us, oh, yeah. that could change yeah. aviation. The aviation yeah. is going to be hurting after all this for a long time, but if you got that up and running real quickly, this is the yeah. perfect time to introduce that, because you got Boeing, who's already hurting from that at that bad plane and you know it's it's a this would be a good time to roll it out so yeah because those are going to be all old technologies i mean we've already got electric cars we've already got cars that hover right through uh there's getting better and better with the jetpack stuff uh, if you've seen yeah, exactly yeah. so you know we you know this whole new paradigm could be that we will not use these fossil fuels anymore because we don't need them we may not need airplanes anymore. We may be going through flying saucers. We may all be traveling these underground railways that, that are, you, know, yeah. you can get from California to New York in an hour. You know, right. that we can't use it, but it's there and the military is using it. So, you know, they could just wake us up one day and say, guys, we hate to tell you this, but we got all this technology that we've been using forever and ever, but now you get to use it. It would change everything instantly. You know, I think that's what's going to happen. I hope so. I really do. I really do. Yeah.